that I don't th think people fully realize is that uh, the media would have us believe that this is real a Russia and Ukraine war. Uh, but I don't really see this, and I don't think Putin sees this as Russia versus Ukraine. Um, Ukra Ukraine could not do what they're doing without us. We have our we have our troops on the ground helping them. You know, not technically, but they're there. Um, Ukraine couldn't afford how much. You know, we are funding this. We are, we are, we are not, I mean, we are, we are basically funding this war. We are funding it. We're putting our troops there. I mean, this is, this is at, I mean, this is a proxy war, if not us, you know, absolutely involved from, from Putin's perspective. And when Putin gave his speech last week, you know, I didn't hear him calling out Ukraine. In fact, I'm sure he did, but who I heard him really calling out was the U.S., you know, calling out to basically compare, saying that uh, we're Satanists. Uh, we're not us, but our leaders. Uh, and, uh, you know, pushing, say, saying that uh, their goal was to defend the family, defend, you know, defend the idea of a mother and father, and saying that the West and that our leaders are, are attacking the very idea of God and, and the family itself. Um, so this is, you know, this is, if this goes to the next level, to think that Russia is not going to, uh, come after the U.S. or or, or escalate it to, to to with us is I think I think it's silly. What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean I think you're you're very right. I mean um, the risks of, of cyber attack, a Russian cyber attack that on our critical infrastructure have never been greater. I don't think they'd escalate to EMP or nuclear just yet. But um, you know we we attacked the, the U.S. or U.S. proxies um, attacked and just you know disrupted three of the, the four uh, Nord Stream pipelines. I think, I mean, most conservatives realize that. Uh, that's what the evidence indicates. Um, and then- And, 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 that's, and, and that's what our enemies think. It's, it, right, and see, that's the important thing is, is you, you raise a really good point because it's not so much what we think, it's what our enemies think. And we have to get into their minds to understand why Putin invaded Ukraine in the first place and why you know, how he views the fight. And as you said, he doesn't view the fight as, as a, a, a fight between Russia and Ukraine, but rather between Russia and the collective West, of which uh, he views Ukraine as uh, simply a proxy and de, fa de facto NATO member, something Zelensky himself uh, recently admitted. So, uh, so that's, yeah, that's the reason he invaded Ukraine. Now, I want to be clear. I don't view Putin as uh, the least bit, in the least bit positive light. I think I would say that Putin and Zelensky are bro both brutal dictators. I think they're both willing to kill uh, political opponents, but I don't. I don't think it's right to demonize Putin and, and to pretend he's a Hitler or a Stalin. Uh, he's not a mass murderer like uh, President Xi. Uh, there's no evidence of that. He hasn't committed. Um, there's very little real evidence of war crimes in, in, in Ukraine that Russia's committed. Um, the UN uh, Human Rights Commission has estimated that uh, 6,100 Ukrainian civilians have died this far, but um, that's 73 times less. The death rate 73 times less than the U.S. and U.K. inflicted on German and Japanese civilians during World War, World War II. So, if you assume, as most Americans do, that we were not war criminals and we did not commit genocide in World War II, whether that's true or not. You would have to concede that there's zero evidence of, uh, of genocide or, or 
you know, systematic war crimes on the part of, uh, of Russia uh, at this point. Now, that could change. That yeah, could I mean, to nuclear. yeah, it doesn't seem to me that, that, that Putin has been all in on this fight either. It seems to exactly. me like he's been playing, uh, fighting may, maybe at 50, maybe 60% of what they're capable of doing. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that they've been fighting almost with one arm tied behind their back, dragging this out? I mean, they could have, they, they have the troops, especially early on, they could have rushed in there in a, in a relatively short period of time and overwhelmed that entire country. Why drag it out? What, what's, what's the thought process there? So, um, you know, Rush, Putin called this a special military operation. And what that essentially is, it's a limited war. It's not a full-scale war, not a total war. Um, and as you said, I mean, it's it, it took a while for, for me to figure out why um, Putin was refusing to allow, for example, most of the Russian Air Force to be involved in the war, using only 6 or 7% of, of Russia's troops um, you know, maybe 30% of its active duty combat troops that, you know, are, were available. And uh, essentially, it all comes down to political calculations. Uh, basically, Putin made, a, made a, a pact with uh, the Russian people that, you know, if they would keep reelecting him, then he wouldn't, uh, you know, have, have a mass mobilization of troops or, or a war that, that required that unless Russia itself were invaded, you know, or attacked directly. And uh, so we tried to maintain that, he, uh, and he he was successful in driving his popularity up to eighty one percent. It was like sixty nine, seventy percent before the war, eighty one percent after, after the invasion. But uh, all the while, his generals and Russian hardliners have been pushing him to do exactly what you said, and that is to mobilize Russia's military, which he uh, he announced on the twenty first. Some um, you know, rush the Russian government claimed partial mo uh, military mobilization. In fact. Um, uh, as, as Michael Kaufman, uh, one of the top Russian uh, military experts here in the U.S. that I that I've, I listened to, has stated there's actually no limits on the mobilization order that Putin issued on the 21st of September. So if he wanted to mobilize 25 million Russian troops, he could do that. Now, reports indicate uh, it's only going to be about 1.2 million troops, but that's four times larger than what was reported in liberal media. And so as a result, I mean, we have all these uh, idiotic four-star retired four-star generals that are still claiming that Ukraine can win the war because, uh, you know, 300,000 Russian draftees, what are they going to do? Well, they fail to even realize the fact that you mentioned that, uh, you know, Russia has been fighting outnumbered by Ukrainian forces in Ukraine by, by a factor of three to one. So uh, it's been amazing that they've been able to, to hold on to as much territory as they had. You know, obviously Putin annexed 19% of Ukraine um, on the, uh, the uh, just last week, actually, formally. Um, but, uh, you know, once once uh, Russia finishes surging their number of troops by six to seven times, I think about probably about 600% by December, I mean, they're going to have two to one superiority over Ukraine, and they're, they're just going to, you know, it's going to be a matter, it's just a matter of time, whether, you know, whether it takes six months or three months, I predict that uh, Ukraine will be totally overrun by, by spring, the yeah. spring of 2023. Yeah, th I mean, w we are getting ourselves into a very dangerous situation, and by the day it seems to get more and more precarious uh, for, for us. In fact, uh, there's been a lot of uptick in the rhetoric about the draft here in the U.S. Uh, that's o over the last couple of days. Uh, <clears throat> ironically saying that even trans, what is it, women, trans women who were born men 
are are uh, will be will be drafted. And so there's a huge uptick talking about the draft here in, in the U.S. There's also been a huge uptick in discussing these uh, uh, bunkers uh, that uh, that uh, these uh, that are you know what what are the name of the bunkers that they're uh, that they're that they've been working on and building over the last few days. Are you familiar with that? The, yeah, here in the no. U.S. So, yeah, obviously there's a huge shift in the U.S. kind of putting that idea out there of, uh, you know, war on the horizon. Um, any, any thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the, the liberal elites, uh, the deep state that's pushing nuclear war, you know, as Tulsi Gabbard uh, gave in, in her uh, courageous speech uh, announcing her uh, withdrawal from the Democrat Party, um, I think the liberal elites need to be on notice that they can, they're not going to survive a nuclear war. I mean, the chances of them surviving a nuclear EMP war are not much greater than the, the, the U.S. Popula population at large. In fact, um, if there is any level of nuclear, uh, you know, a nuclear strike, even one nuclear weapon that Russia uses, it's going to be against D.C. So they're going to take D.C. out uh, within, you know, four to five minutes um, because they, uh, they are mass producing the Zircon um, you know, submarine-launched hypersonic nuclear cruise missile, uh, which can, you know, which Putin threatened actually back in February uh, when the war began. He said he he could he could kill Biden uh, before he had a chance to to get on Air Force One, and and that's that's a threat that will materialize if we if in fact that the war does escalate to a, a full you know full-scale hot war between uh, NATO and Russia. And I've read so many. You know, every every piece I've seen, essentially, uh, with a couple exceptions, uh, is essentially advocating that Biden um, respond to a Russian nuclear strike, even one that doesn't really kill anyone. You know, like an EMP strike is essentially is what I'm predicting is, you know, there'll be like an EMP strike over a super EMP attack over Kyiv that takes out their power and injures maybe thousands, but doesn't really kill anyone with nuclear effects. Um, they're saying that even if that happens, that the U.S. should should just either bomb the crap out of everything and ever, all Russian forces, and you know, in the former Ukraine, uh, or else uh, in the Black Sea Fleet, or else uh, just even target the one base or a military unit that launched the nuclear strike. And any level of direct military attack on Russian forces is going to land us in a full-scale uh, full-scale World War Three. Um, you know, which, as I said. The, the Russians will probably cyber attack the U.S. and NATO within da uh, within days of, of the first uh, NATO or U.S. military attack on their forces. So, I mean, that alone would cause the U.S. to collapse. So, speaking and, of and destroy NATO. Speaking of NATO and uh, Zelensky, obviously last week he applied for NATO for uh, NATO to uh, to fast track that. Do we know any? developments of what's happening there because obviously that will have huge implications if they accept him or accept uh yeah so there country. were there were actually I was, I was surprised that there were nine uh nato leaders who, who uh, signed some kind of petition for uh for nato to accept the other nato members to accept ukraine as a nato member and these are countries in eastern europe that would 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 be the first to get wiped out in the event of a war with with russia and they you know, it's it's just amazing that everyone thinks. You know, it's I, I call it like uh, you know pretending living in an alternate reality and pretending we're still in 1944. You know, in 1944, 
you know, we were before the atomic age, you know, we, we didn't have nuclear weapons in the equation yet. And, and uh, we were able to use uh, what at the time we were the largest uh, industrial superpower in the world, uh, you know, the arsenal of democracy or, and Soviet communism, I guess, at the same time to uh, destroy Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. But, um, you know, in this case, um, it just wouldn't be fought that way. I mean, the, the war would be, even with, you take nuclear weapons out of the equation and, yeah. and just make, you know, super EMP, which are nuclear weapons that are detonated, uh, you know, tens of miles uh, above the US and NATO, for example, um, and, uh, and cyber weapons without a single nuclear ground impact. And we would still get wiped out. We would still lose massively. So um, there's just this, this hubris in, in Western leadership circles that says that, that we're gonna, you know, we can win the war, we can beat the Russians because they've proven they're so weak. But as you noted, they o they've only sent 150 to 200,000 combat troops into Ukraine. And, you know, that's that number is going to be increased to about a million, uh, I predict, in de by December. And then they're just going to go back to being a, you know, a Russian steamroller that'll overrun Ukraine, assuming that, uh, that Putin doesn't decide to nuke Ukraine before that. Yeah, that's see, that's one of my big uh, concerns here is is we, we want to think of fighting this war in in terms of recent history. And I think we fail to realize that uh, the technology and, and warfare is advancing tremendously. The whole fact that the, uh, you know, the, the first trans in the army was found to be a spy uh, for Russia. And ironically, what was the in information that Russia was getting from that spy? You know, I actually don't know. They, 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 and this is fascinating, is, is they were getting uh, medical records. They, right. they were digging out, he, this spy was giving medical records to Russia. You tell me why on earth Russia would be interested if all the data you'd think they'd be asking for, for, the, for, the, for their enemy, You'd want to maybe where bases are at, where so you know where you know where they could attack, where there's weak, what their strategy is. They want medical data. You tell me why they're well, asking I mean, for medical data. In the instance, uh, I can't tell you. I can I can make an assumption for oh, Russia. Yeah, we're going to make some assumptions. China, they've been, yeah, with China, they've been taking as much of our DNA information of our citizens as possible through. Twenty-three you know, and Me, all, all the COVID stuff. tests. Yeah, they own. Yeah, they own a bunch of those uh, ancestry type ancestry. stuff. Ancestry.com. No, is, is ancestry.com? Yeah. Does that get, is that owned by anyone in China? I, I don't think so. I want to. I want to um, dig into that. I want to dig into that because I've had. I've heard people ask me questions about that one. But but the bottom line is, what do we know? And, and we played a, a something from. Uh, one of our congressmen. I need to pull that. I played it last week. But what? Uh, but what we know is they now have technology to release viruses that are specific to spe certain DNA. You know, well, biological. I don't know I'll, I'll play you a clip. I, we need to have you back on. I, I've got a clip where they where they say that technology exists, where they could release a, a, a biological weapon that would affect people based on their dna and that's why well, they're they saying that, go ahead if they have that if they have you know they've been developing that since the days of jane uh jane Jiaoping, or dame Jiaoping rather back in 1990 so if they've actually achieved that then they were done i mean we'll be you know i mean their plan is essentially to exterminate two-thirds of, of the american people using biological weapons so 
in the event of war, I mean, that's not their preference. But in the event we were to defend Taiwan militarily, they, if they have such a weapon, uh, they would unleash it, unleash it immediately. And, and, you know, we'd have tens of millions of Americans dead within weeks. I'm going to get that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get that article. That not, I'm going to get that article. Yeah, I'm going to get that article for you. Um, and uh, I'll send it to you. And then we, let's have you back on the show and let's let's discuss that because um, – to, to, this is this is where you know advances in, in warfare. Every, every time we go to, into a, a major battle, from World War One to World War Two, you know, from you know machine guns, you know, revolutionized warfare. You know, air, you know, aircraft revolutionized warfare. Then in World War Two, was the atomic bomb, nuclear warfare t- revolutionized everything. We are going to see it. It will be revolutionized again. And I think part of that is going to be biological. Um, and, and to me, it's, you know, we know that they're involved in gain-and-function research. Um, we know that China's been involved with that. We know, you know, that uh, our own country's been involved with that. And, you know, it's, there, there are so many ways that uh, we are vulnerable as, as a species, as humans, and here in America, from EMPs to simply being having our, you know, um, Again, just having the lights go out, you know, an EMP, obviously nuclear, but then also to biological warfare. Yeah. Ironically, I mean, the, the crazy thing is there's so many ways that our enemies could destroy us. You know, back in World War II, we were not threatened by Germany or Japan. I mean, outside of Hawaii and, you know, the Aleutian Islands. I mean, they never attacked us, our U.S. territory outside of those those territories. And, uh, you know, then in 1951, the Soviets uh, developed their first atomic bomber that could range the U.S. in a suicide mission. And ever since, I mean, uh, the threats have been multiplying. I mean, even during, during the late Soviet era, I mean, they could just wipe us out in multiple ways as well. But it's, it's gotten even worse with super EMP weapons developed in the, the late 90s and Russia and, and China and North Korea having those. Then with cyber attacks, uh, you know, China having large transformers where they could turn off uh, essentially use satellite signals to turn off uh, our entire power grid without uh, without even a cyber attack, essentially. And you think how vulnerable. I mean, I don't think people realize how dangerous even just a cyber attack would be, the impact implication. We, we live in such a delicate world, and we just think it's so stable, and it's not. We've got uh, four minutes left. Uh, I want to give you the floor. Um, what uh, What should our listeners, what should our viewers be aware of? Well, I'd like to encourage all your listeners to, to please take a moment to go to my website, um, you know, the Real War Newsletter at uh, dpyne.substack.com. If you subscribe, you know, I, I've submitted just, uh, you know, three updates within the last 24 hours, you know, three different articles that I think are, uh, you know, important to know about. Um, and, you know, I try to update uh, update the subscribers as, as uh, quickly as possible in the event of late breaking events. But obviously, you know, if there were a, a major crisis, I could analyze it really quickly. And of course I post interviews such as the one we're doing right now there as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, a, a, you know, my, the whole point of, of all my articles is to, to try to navigate our, a peaceful way, a peaceful solution to avoid world war three and to implement Reagan's, uh, you know, policy of peace through strength. You know, a lot of people think, uh, Biden's policy is peace through strength. A lot of Republicans seem to think that with regards to, to you know, Russia and Ukraine. And it's quite the opposite. It's, you know, he's pursuing a policy of, uh, of uh, war through weakness that I call a policy of national suicide, you know, because the end result of this 
escalation spiral is is uh, you know nuclear EMP or cyber that could would destroy our country and uh, it's imperative that you know people support you know when Trump gives a speech at a rally that talks about the need for negotiating an immediate peace with Russia and you, and end the war in Ukraine that needs to go viral I mean set uh, all of your listeners I'm I'm pleading with you to send send his videos all of his speeches and demand that your members of Congress including Senator Mike Lee, who's pretty good on this issue, to, to act immediately and to, uh, you know, to sponsor resolutions in Congress to cut off military assistance to Ukraine to force them back to the negotiating table so we can end this war and end the threat of, of nuclear escalation in, um, on the United States of America. Yeah, it's just insanity. It's, it is insanity. Uh, I don't even, I don't, I mean, how many billions have we now sent? To, to Ukraine. Well, it's uh, it's about sixty nine, about seventy billion. Almost seventy billion dollars there. Eighty five billion dollars left of equipment we left in Afghanistan. Me- meanwhile, our economy is is in the toilet. Meanwhile, we turn off our ability to produce oil and and energy to be self reliant. We cause a problem with with OPEC. We are in the problem with OPEC because of our leaders and our policy. We are destroying our economy. We are destroying our our, our dollar. And these oil pro- issues, you know, destroying our, our ability to be self-reliant and have and have energy independence and have oil, it's not just affecting us to the gas pump. It, when these oil prices go up, which is a direct result of, of our internet of our policy, it will affect the price of food, clothing. Every single thing is about to skyrocket, and you got to tell. And and for what? For a president who wants to who is simply, this is not about. <laughs> This is this is not this is this is not about Ukraine. Th- this is about a president and an administration that is 